Um, so our first reading is from Proverbs 10, verse 8 to 21. The wise in heart accept commands, but a shattering fool comes to ruin. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but whoever takes crooked paths will be found out. Whoever winks maliciously causes grief, and a chattering fool comes to ruin. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers over all wrongs. Wisdom is found on the lips of the discerning, but a rod is for the back of one who has no sense. The wise store up knowledge, but the mouth of a fool invites ruin. The wealth of the rich is their fortifying city, but poverty is the ruin of the poor. The wages of the righteous is life, but the earnings of the wicked are sin and death. Whoever heeds discipline shows the way to life, but whoever ignores correction leads others astray. Whoever conceals hatred with lying lips and spreads slander is a fool. Sin is not ended by multiplying words, but the prudent hold their tongues. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver, but the heart of the wicked is of little value. The lips of the righteous nourish many, but fools die for lack of sense. And then the second reading is from James chapter 3, verse 1 to 13. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Whoever one, anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are, given, and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder, whenever, wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. Thank you, Grace. That's uh, terrific. Very encouraging. Uh, give it up for Grace and Nick again. Um, yeah, so much my heart is uh, that we can pass on the good news of Jesus to the next generation, uh, and uh, it's great to see our own kids grow up with a, with a real heart, 
uh, to, uh, to share in that and to be part of that work. Now, I have some uh, sad news uh, that not all of you will be aware of, uh, but last week, Jeff Kushgiri uh, resigned from our pastoral team here at church. Uh, and that, so that's a real sadness for me uh, personally, and I know that's not what Jeff, you know, that was not the path that Jeff had uh, intended or desired. Uh, so we took Jeff on uh, February last year as our engaging and serving pastor. Uh, Jeff had been on the mission field in Malta for 13 years, reaching out to people there with the good news of Jesus. And as their family moved back to, the, uh, to Australia, we asked them to come and work with us, and particularly with a view to sharing the good news of Jesus uh, here amongst us uh, and in our wider community. Uh, and it's not been an easy 12, 20 months, so we've had lots of disruption over that 20 months with COVID and lockdown and so on. Uh, but the, the engaging teams have continued to run our life series, uh, and so we've seen people become Christians over that time, which has been a delight, uh, and we've seen people baptised. Uh, but for Jeff now, uh, he, he's not exactly sure what the next phase of his life and ministry looks like. Uh, but my hope is that they'll, be, uh, they'll continue to be part of our church, uh, that they'll be loved and supported by us. Uh, and that is my uh, prayer for them. Ruth's going to lead us in prayer for them and some other matters uh, right now. So thank you, Ruth. Let's pray together. Lord God, you are good and kind. You want us to love you and one another. Thank you that you're ready to forgive us when we come to you to say sorry. We are sorry, Lord, that we often don't trust you. We try to do things our own way and we've been selfish, mean and not kind in our thoughts, words and actions this week. We're often quick to become angry and slow to listen. Forgive us, Lord. Help us to listen to you, to love what you love and to love others as ourselves. Lord, help us to forgive and to be kind. We thank you for Nick and Grace and for the, um, that they are captured by the gospel. And we pray for each of us, Lord, that we will be captured by the good news that you bring us, that you love us and you forgive us. Lord, we pray that that will be on our lips, that we will serve you in every way that we can. Strengthen us, Lord, that, um, that your kingdom will grow here. We pray that you will strengthen our faith and the faith of the kids in our church too. Lord, we pray for Australia. Lord, that your people will be faithful and that in this time in our community, uh, people will seek to know you and love you. Open people's hearts and minds to see you as Lord. Give them opportunity to hear the good news that you offer forgiveness and eternal life. Give us love and boldness to share this with those around us. Father God, you care for people all over the world and we pray for wisdom for leaders among the nations of the world. We pray that those who are living in war-torn countries at the moment, like parts of Africa and the Ukraine, that you will be with them, Lord. We pray for peace and hope in those places. We pray that people will hear the good news and that you will use your people to provide for their physical needs. Father, we thank you for FIEC, for the way that it has facilitated and supported church plants and independent churches across Australia. 
Lord, we pray that you will grow these churches and this denomination, that your kingdom will grow through this. Keep us faithful in all we do. Father, we pray for those in our church family who are sick, lonely or suffering in any way. Lord, comfort, heal and strengthen them. We pray for comfort for those who are grieving and especially the Charters and the Ray families this week. Lord, we thank you for the Kushkiri family, for Jeff, Robin, Tin, Amy and Ben. We thank you for their love for you and for their love and service among us. We pray that you will guide them and use them. Especially we pray for Jeff, equip him and give him wisdom as he makes decisions about his next phase of work and ministry. We pray for the kids among us who are starting the new school term and especially those doing the HSC this year. Help them to keep learning the lessons you're teaching them, to focus and learn when they are studying. And when they're anxious and when we're anxious, help us to rest in your peace. And when we can, to enjoy the good times of fun and rest with families and friends. We thank you for the marriage of Michaela and Ethan yesterday and we pray for them and all those among us who are married. That you will strengthen our marriages, help us to communicate well with kindness and love and grow together in love for you. Lord, we pray as Dave speaks to us today that you will use him, that you will um, use him to speak your word faithfully, that you will grow each of us in an understanding of you. Lord, we pray for us that you will open our hearts, help us to hear you as you speak to us and help us to, be, to grow more like you in all that we do. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Ruth. Well, uh, how many words do you speak each day? Uh, I want you to try to estimate. Have a look on the screen. 2,000, 4,000, 8,000, 16,000, 32,000. Now, what I want you to do is you might as well be chatting to someone because today's talk is very interactive. So I'd, I'd really encourage you, if, you, if you're comfortable, uh, just find someone that you can kind of pull alongside uh, and chat to. Uh, and, and have a word. Like, so what do you reckon? How many words do you speak a day? Hey, why don't we do a bit of a poll? Who reckons they'd speak 2,000 words a day? And, and that's about, all right. 4,000? 8,000. Okay, 16,000. Okay, you can some chatterboxes. What about 32,000? Okay, are you so, right? Okay, there we go. Now, apparently 16,000 is the average. Um, that's about two and a half hours of solid talking, uh, and that's the average. Um, but some people speak more than double that. Uh, do you know anyone like that? Uh, <laughs> uh, so, who speaks more, do you think? Men or women, right? So, uh, so men, hands up for men, hands up for women. Okay. Well, those who said women, are, are, so statistically that's correct, but not by as much as you might think. Uh, so it's only by about 5%. It's only, uh, on average, about 600 words more. But men tend to be more tasky about their speech. Uh, so men's speech tends to be more work or task-related. Uh, women talk tends to be more people uh, and relationship-oriented. Uh, but our words are powerful. Uh, they have the power to build up, the power to tear down. They can give life. 
but they can be soul-destroying as well. Today, we're listening to God. We want to learn His wisdom about our words. Um, as I've looked at this, this is the first time I've ever look, thought about, you know, you know, doing a study on our words in the book of Proverbs. And Proverbs has a lot to say about it. Uh, there's, there's around 90 Proverbs. So if you look up words or speaking or lips or mouth or tongue, there's about 90 Proverbs. I'm not going to go through every single one of them uh, with you today. But it seems to me that Proverbs has much more to say about our speech than it does about sex or money or friendships or uh, almost any other topic. Um, now, like we did last week, we're going to be chatting about this because I reckon it's better to wrestle with the Proverbs for yourself rather than just have someone tell you what it means. Do you know, do you know what I mean? It's like someone telling you a joke and then straight away going to explain it, it just loses its impact. So I'm keen for you to kind of do a bit of wrestling, bit of discussion together. Uh, so last week we did listening, uh, and today it's all about speaking. And I want to start with a little gossip. How, how good is that to start with gossip? Uh, so let me read some of them. You can read the rest. A gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy person keeps a secret. A perverse person stirs up conflict and a gossip separates close friends. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the inmost parts. Anyway, you can have a look at the rest. And I want you to talk to the person next to you. What do you notice about gossip from those wise sayings from the book of Proverbs? Have a look and then have a chat with the person next to you. Okay, I want to hear lots of chatting. What do you learn about gossip? Key ideas? Any insights that anyone wants to share? Yeah. Destructive. destructive. Yes, yeah, so it can be very destructive. There's a lot about destroying trust, uh, destroying relationships, separating close friends. Yeah. Look at that one in 2620. Wood without a fire goes out. Without, without a gossip, a quarrel dies down. So a quarrel, a, 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 sorry, a gossiper can actually inflame kind of an angsty situation. But without a gossip, it can actually just, you know, calm down. Yeah. What else do you notice about gossip? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and this is the thing about the book of Proverbs. Sometimes they have exactly the same thing because it's like that you might have forgotten that by the time you got to the end of Proverbs. Uh, but it's obviously a statement that uh, we need to take on board, and that is the words of a gossip are like choice morsels. And so here's my summary. We love gossip, and yet it destroys trust and relationships. Really helpful insight, isn't it? Great little summary. Think about the conversations you have how much does gossip feature in your conversations? What do you reckon? Just, just have a quick word to the person next to you. How much of your conversation is, has the character of gossip? 
Now, let me, let me run, let me keep going. According to Time magazine, and you, know, you don't want to believe everything you read in Time magazine, but uh, an article a couple of years ago, they did a survey of the research and they said that gossip, uh, 80% of our conversation is gossip. And I think that, I, I, don't, I don't agree with their stats because they're just talking about 80% of our conversation is about other people or is about people. But I don't think that necessarily entails gossip uh, but then they went on to say that 15% of conversation is about negative gossip. Uh, and I think that's more of what the Bible is talking about. Things that are actually intended to highlight the faults of others or, or, or betraying a confidence uh, where we shouldn't actually be sharing something about another person. Um, and so research says that's about 15% of our conversation. That's pretty high, isn't it? About one in six of our conversations throughout the world has that negative, destructive quality about it. But what we want to recognise is that sort of conversation is enticing. It's kind of delicious. Uh, you, you, you get drawn into that conversation and there's something enjoyable about it. Um, maybe even something addictive about it and yet... As we carry on that conversation, a trust is being destroyed, uh, a quarrel is being flared up, perhaps a relationship is being broken down. Uh, and so maybe we need to ask God to help us to get rid of gossip out of our lives. I know as we come to the New Testament, it will be highlighted uh, alongside things like sexual immorality and so on as sin that we need to deal with and ask God to cleanse from our lives. Um, so you can see why we need wisdom, can't you? Because here is gossip, something that is so attractive, so enjoyable, and yet turns out to be so destructive uh, and undermines so many good things. Um, let me show you some other um, proverbs. So, because what, basically what I did, notice, so go to the next slide. Uh, I just did searches on things like mouth, lips, tongue, words. Uh, and so what you've got to do is just talk to the person. Uh, what do you learn about wisdom and words? Uh, the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. The lips of the righteous nourish many, but fools die for lack of sense. The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue has the power of life and death. Just have a quick word to the person next to you. What, what, what sort of things do you pick up, or is there any proverb that really resonates for you there? Okay, any thoughts or reflections from the crowd? Anyone want to share anything that... Any insights? 
Yep, John. Yep, the tongue or the speech can have a dual purpose for good or for evil. Yeah. And so here's my summary. Um, what, what have I got? I can't remember what it says. Bang. Words are powerful for good or evil. There you go, John. It's almost exactly what you said. So words can bring great good. They can bring life. They can nourish, healing. They can cheer people up, turn away anger and wrath but they can be used powerfully for evil as well. Stirring up anger, piercing like swords. Words have the power of death. Um, and I, just have a look at chapter 15, verse 1. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Does that resonate with you? Uh, there's just so many situations where I've been part of an angsty, even an angry conversation... And I, I have seen this in action. Um, if you're reactive, your words can inflame the situation uh, and it just gets worse, like pouring petrol on a fire. Um, but if you're calm and you respond gently, sometimes it's just a matter of taking the time to listen, to breathe, just slow, slow it down. And the whole situation can de-escalate. Uh, but your words and how you choose to use your words can take an angsty situation and flare it up or calm it down. That's a, there's a lot of power there, isn't there? And sometimes the gentle answer starts with three words. I am sorry. Uh, and those three words are incredibly powerful for de-escalating angry situations. Uh, like, I'm not saying just utter them just for the sake of it, but if there's genuinely something that you reflect on and think, no, there's, I, I need to own what's going on here, and it's partly my fault, then I am sorry. Um, most people find those words so hard to say. Why is that? Why is I am sorry so difficult for us to say? Um, I've got some thoughts. I think it's because we're making ourselves vulnerable. We're admitting fault. And when you, when you say sorry, you kind of... You lose control over the outcome of, of something. Do you, do you know what I mean? You're actually... You're asking someone else for forgiveness and you can't control how they will respond at that point. And so there's a lot of vulnerability, it's putting yourself out there. But I think for us Christians, surely of all people, we ought to be good at saying, I'm sorry. Because our whole relationship with God starts at that point. It starts with us saying, I'm sorry, God. I'm sorry for my sin, for the way I've ignored you, for the way I've treated you. Please forgive me. Uh, and, 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 and God is so gracious, so forgiving. He will always answer that prayer by forgiving us and cleansing us. But surely of all people, then we ought to be able to say sorry to one another and in turn to offer forgiveness just as God is so quick to forgive us. So let's put into practice that in our relationship with one another. If we're wise, we recognise the power of words for good or for evil. 
here's another bunch of Proverbs for you. Um, Gold there is and rubies in abundance, but lips that speak knowledge are a rare jewel. The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in people who are trustworthy. Sin is not ended by multiplying words, but the prudent hold their tongues. Whoever derides their neighbour has no sense, but the one who has understanding holds their tongue. Even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. All right, have a quick chat to the person next to you. So what do you learn about words and wisdom? Now, we're going to have a moment for questions at the end, I think. Um, But let me start with that first one. The first one, I just want to say wise words are so precious. Um, We saw this last week. Just next slide, I think, we'll we'll highlight that. Wise words are precious. Um, Gold there is and rubies in abundance, but lips that speak knowledge are a rare jewel. We We saw last week that wisdom is more valuable than gold, more precious than anything else. Get wisdom. Uh, it's, wisdom is the ability to successfully navigate life, to make wise decisions that take into account the context that we're in. What a precious thing that is. Um, but so too, lips that speak knowledge and wisdom. What a precious thing it is to have in your life someone who can bring wisdom uh, and insight and knowledge, a rare jewel, that is. But not all words are precious. So the Lord detests lying lips. He delights in people who are trustworthy. Really strong language, isn't it? The Lord detests. Here is something that God hates. God hates when lies are on our lips. And why does God hate it? Why is He so strong about it. It's because he created us in our image. We are the image bearers of God, but God will never lie. One of the characteristics of God is he's utterly trustworthy. Everything he speaks, you can utterly depend on it. He will not trick us. He will not deceive us. And so when we, as his image bearers, When we lie, we dishonour the God who made us. Uh, We dishonour the God who has saved us and called us uh, our Father. And we we not only dishonour God, but we undermine trust, we break relationship, we destroy community. Wise words are precious and wise people hold their tongues. Did you see that theme? Uh, The prudent hold their tongues. The one who has understanding holds their tongue. Proverbs 17:28 is well worth memorizing, don't you think? It's a classic. Because you might, you might be sitting there thinking, gee, I just feel like a bit of a fool. Well, here's some great advice. Just don't say anything. Right? And people will be guessing. They'll be saying, 
wow, there's a real wisdom there. He's just, he just seems to be listening and absorbing. And gee, I can't wait till he speaks or she speaks because, gee, it's going to be gold uh, when it comes. So even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. Uh, so there you go. There's a good bit of wisdom for you. Um, but here is the thing. Holding your tongue is not as easy as you think. Um, we saw that in the passage that Grace read. Right? It's, just, it's really hard to control the speech that comes out of your mouth. Why is it so hard? Look at James 3. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. Uh, the tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on by fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles and creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. Now you think about it, you know, we, we can get a lion, one of the most ferocious creatures, and tame it to the point where you can stick your head inside a lion's mouth. I'm not recommending it, but people can do that. How clever is that? Uh, we've got a lady at, a, attached to our church who's a horse whisperer. Uh, and she can take a horse that's utterly out of control uh, and just define, you know, just one of those wild, brumby And she can tame it uh, so that it can be ridden uh, and so on. Just amazing what we can do in taming wild things. But, verse 8, no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this shouldn't be. Why is it so hard to control the tongue? I wonder what, what, what thoughts you have there. Have, have a word to the person next to you. Why is it, why is it so hard? Quick, quick word to the person next to you. Does everyone agree that it's hard to, to control what you say? It, it is hard. How much of our lives is about undoing things we said that we wish we hadn't said? How much angst is caught up in that? Where we just, or where we fire off that email and you just think, if only I could. And now they're actually allowing you to delete emails after, they, after you've sent them, I think, uh, and, and so on. And because you just want to grab it back and say, oh, just, I wish that was never out there. Um, well, I want you to have a look at these proverbs because uh, it helps us reflect. Why is it so hard to control the tongue? One whose heart is corrupt does not prosper. One whose tongue is perverse falls into trouble. For the hearts plot violence and their lips talk about making trouble. Like coating of silver dross on earthenware are fervent lips with an evil heart. Enemies disguise themselves with their lips, but in their hearts they harbour deceit. Um, can you see the connection that, uh, that's there? That there's a connection between our hearts and what comes out of our mouths. 
That's the problem. So the problem, in a sense, is not just what comes out of our mouths, but what's on our hearts. Um, And I reckon Proverbs takes us so far, but it can't solve that problem. It helps us see that problem. It helps us see that the overflow of the heart comes out the mouth. Um, But as good and wise as the Proverbs are, they cannot change our hearts. And so we will keep on finding ourselves in this, you know, where, where we say things that we regret and where we say things that cause harm, where we gossip and so on. Um, so like, you know how the laws of the Old Testament can't change the heart? It's the same with the wisdom of the Old Testament. Uh, only Jesus can change our hearts. And so this is why you hear the, the message of Proverbs, but you, you still need Jesus very much. Um, Jesus cleanses our hearts of all guilt and shame. He brings forgiveness through his death on the cross. That's why we're always singing about Jesus and his blood shed for us. Because his blood shed on the cross brings us forgiveness. He died in our place. Only Jesus can remove our hearts of stone and give us hearts of flesh. What's happening now for us who are followers of Jesus is we've been forgiven and now we're being transformed. Uh, God is renewing our hearts day by day. And so what I want to say is, as, as good as the wise sayings of Proverbs are, only Jesus deals with our deepest problem, our deepest need, and that is cleansing and renewal of the heart. And as we have been cleansed and now as we are being renewed... I want to just kind of tie things together by saying let's use our words to build the loving community that Jesus saved us to be. I'll give you a few kind of a few passages from the New Testament that kind of pick up on these themes. So let's have a look. Ephesians 4. What we should be doing is speaking the truth in love. We're not just a community of truth, we're a community of love. And we're not just a community of love, we're a community of truth. We're bringing those two things together in our interaction with one another. Put off falsehood. Speak truthfully to your neighbour. And look at this. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. How different is it when we... When we before I get onto those other verses. How different is it when we come together? You know, in a world where there is so much gossip. But we come together and sing the praises of the Lord Jesus. What a constructive thing that is to do as a community, to not be focused on the faults of others, but focused on the praise of the one who deserves all our praise. What an incredible power that has for building one another up and glorifying the one who made us. Uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself encourage you, your hearts, strengthen you in every good word and deed. It's good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. Can you see that there's, there's a, 
we give away gossip and slander and angry words and harsh words and quick words. We put those things aside, but we have a better speech to fill it with, speech that is encouraging, truthful, uh, Christ-centred, uh, warming one another's hearts. 1 Peter 3, in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks to give you the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. You know, as we want to share the good news of Jesus with our community, let's not buy into the kind of the turf wars that you see carried out, you know, and the harsh words and the polar polarity and so on, but do it with gentleness and respect. Jesus has washed us clean. He's now renewing our hearts. May our speech, our lips testify to what Christ is doing in us. Now, I, I want to... Um, we're going to finish up there, but there's, there's an opportunity for questions. Um, so why don't you just have a word to the person next to you? Any things come to mind or any reflections that you feel like are, are worth sharing? And anyone who wants to in a, in a minute or so uh, can share those uh, and, I, and I can feel any questions that you might have. So just take a moment talking to the person next to you. Does anyone have a question that you, you want to raise uh, for all of us to think about? Uh, so, so, someone said, I would, but wise people hold their tongues. Yeah. So I've really shut down question time now, haven't I? But there was, Colin, there's a question right over in the far, far corner, I, be, I believe. Was there a question... Oh, yeah, James. <laughs> Is sarcasm a sin? Is sarcasm a sin? Um, look, I, um, I think... The, I, I, th I don't think... I th oh, man. <laughs> hey, let, me, let me start by saying this. There's wisdom for you, right? Uh, no, sorry, sorry, it's just... Um, I think in our interactions with one another, humour is is good thing, right? And um, but I think we and and sarcasm is part of humour, where we can kind of have a go at each other, and in a relationship of trust, that can work all right. But we've you've got to be very wise to know that relationship is strong enough and and has enough understanding to deal with that. And I think we want to be careful that we don't overplay sarcasm. I, I remember this happened with me when I was in, in university. I realised that, like, he was a young Christian, and I realised that um, so many of my conversations with others were superficial, and it was because so many of my interactions with others was that Aussie banter where you kind of 
where you have to put each other down and there's a bit of sarcasm going on. And there was genuine mateship going on. But what I realised is that that sort of speech actually stopped me getting deeper in conversation. And it, because even though it's understood, if that's the main form of our conversation, then it's hard for someone to feel vulnerable enough to kind of open up and, and, it's, and it's unlikely that we're going to kind of get deeper. And so I think, I don't, I, I'm not going to put a ban on sarcasm, but I do want to say uh, we just need to be aware that it's not, it's not going to be as encouraging as other forms of speech. And so let's not default to sarcasm. Maybe, th maybe there's an answer. Um, and, but does anyone else have any thoughts on that? Do you, does it, does it, yeah. So you said you were, you, you were one of the 32,000 a, a day guys, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sarcasm, the lowest form of wit. Yeah, quite possibly. Yeah. And so, yeah. And anyway, I, so if, does, any thoughts there? Do you think that's fair? Uh, what I've said there, uh, Alan. Uh, it's not that point, but the yep. the, the wider one about not just the message that we have, but the way in which it's expressed and yeah. I think that can be um, a very powerful thing. I was uh, just speaking to Lois about a, a report that came out on Thursday that listed uh, groups around the world who'd been added to a directory of those who use hate speech and now the group that did it were a group that we probably wouldn't have too much in common with. Uh, a group that promoted uh, some behaviours that Christians wouldn't like. But my point was that the Australian Christian lobby have been listed as a group who use hate speech. And, and it's a, a sad thing. So many of their views are ones that many of us would probably subscribe to. But the point being that the way in which they express those views to so many comes across as uh, as mm. hateful yeah. and that it's just a reminder yeah. that there are other sets of words yeah. and attitudes that we can have that might do that in ways that that don't don't result in the, in in that reaction yeah like and so alan's opened up quite a quite a big topic here but that is that our views as Christians are increasingly out of step with our society. Our society used to not be Christian, but they kind of warmed, or they, they thought Christianity, morally speaking, was good. But our society's moved on from that, and now there's a real suspicion and even a feeling that traditional Christian values are bad and even destructive. Um, and so that's, that's the new context we're moving in. Uh, and so you get the, the guy that was appointed to run Essendon Football Club, but because they found out he was part of a church like ours, um, the, views that have been, you know, the views that have been said from the front here at our church would be you know, quite... You know, people could dig up sort of stuff over the years of what we've said, uh, and it would be very consistent with what they fired him, or sorry, p 
pressured him uh, to resign uh, from the Essendon Football Club over. And so that's, that's tricky, and that's the world in which we're now operating. And the point, Alan, you're making is that in that context, we need to still work hard at the gentle answer. Uh, just because other people behave like terrorists towards us, making unfair comments about us, doesn't mean we step into a war of words and anger and harsh words of retaliation. Uh, we've got to do what the... Uh, just go back a slide. Just one slide, yeah. So right at the bottom, do this with gentleness and respect. Uh, and it's the whole thing of we cannot let our form of interaction be guided by the way people interact towards us. Uh, let's be those who have a gentle answer to de-escalate. Yeah, Bob. Yeah. Yeah. So Jesus spoke very harshly about the Pharisees. Uh, and, uh, and, yeah, so those were those who were who honoured God with their lips, but their hearts were far from him. And so the problem with the Pharisees is an incredible hypocrisy, whereas they were claiming to be on God's side, uh, and, yet, uh, and yet their hearts were corrupt, and that came out in a whole range of ways. Um, yeah, so I think, so, yeah, so there were times when Jesus was harsh, but I, I guess it was particularly amongst the people of God. And so that might, what that might look like amongst us is that we might particularly be black and white and straightforward in pointing out false teaching and so on. But our face to the wider community, uh, we need to keep on showing gentleness and respect. So the reason, the reason Jesus is harsh is because he saw that there was so much at stake, people were being led astray. Um, anyway, it, all of this requires great wisdom, doesn't it? Uh, great wisdom to know how to navigate these things. So I'm going to, I think I should wrap things up, um, but I want to wrap things up by getting you looking on the next screen. Um, and there's a summary. And just take a moment to reflect and pray in the quietness of your own heart uh, about your own life, your own speech, your own hearts. And then I'll lead us in prayer in a moment. Let me pray. God, our Father, we, we know and you tell us that our words are powerful for good or for evil. Father, we are sorry that so often our words are destructive and we look back on our lives and we see the things that we have spoken that have brought harm, that have damaged trust, lies, gossip, harsh words. Father, please forgive us through Jesus. Wash away our guilt and shame. And please cleanse our hearts and change our hearts. Remove our self-centered hearts of stone. Give us hearts of love so that we speak 
precious words of wisdom, truth and love to one another. And give us lips that openly profess the name of Jesus. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.